Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. Hello there, and welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great estate plans. My name is Tim Seckler. I am the owner of the Seckler Law Firm, and I do this radio show weekly to give you the information I think you need to know in order to make a good plan for yourself, your family, your money, um, the people around you. And and uh, and this week is uh, New Year's uh, New Year's Eve weekend, and I'm super excited. Uh, about kicking off the new year. I hope you are too. This is always like my favorite time of the year because as a business owner, you get to do a lot of planning for all the things you want to accomplish next year and you get to really set out um, how this all works. My wife and I sit down and we usually talk about what our year is going to look like uh, moving forward. If do, Are we going to do vacations and, and all the rest? And um, and it's a good time for um, for setting some goals. You know, I think that not just business owners, but I think a lot of people sort of think through their life and what goals do they want to set for themselves. And and this is that time of the year for me personally. I'd like to lose a few pounds. Um, I know that's kind of cliche. Uh, I, I usually don't have that as my New Year's resolution, but uh, this this fall was uh, was hard on Tim. Um, in, in as far as my discipline goes, and so. So now we're gonna we're gonna uh, work it back a little bit. So that's one of the things that I have to work on. And in fact, our our membership we have a, a membership program in our Red Wagon cl- called the Red Wagon Club, which is our clients, um, and and how we get together and keep them educated as laws change. We have uh, a lot of families that are in what we call our Red Wagon Club, um, and we're uh, we're issuing a challenge amongst all of our uh, clients, our, our members of the Red Wagon Club on the uh, the January weight loss uh, challenge so um, for my team and, and for my um, my members of the program if we lose some pounds we're gonna donate um, some money per pound for a local or uh, a charity anyhow I'm not sure we've selected the charity yet but anyway that's uh, that's kind of the idea that's one of the things that I want to work on myself here but maybe for you it's something different maybe uh, occasionally you know this time of year we get a lot of calls in January January is our busiest uh, incoming client time period of the year because a lot of people uh, a couple of things happen year-end one is some people some people set estate planning as a New Year's resolution um, we get that call this week every year I, I promised my wife we'd get it done this year I just want to get it done uh, New Year's resolution is to finally get the affairs in order the other thing that happens this time of the year is, is we just are, are going through the holiday season and a lot of people spend a lot of time with family members that they don't typically otherwise spend. And, and um, conversations about memories and conversations about stuff and money take place. Conversations about retirement take place. Uh, congratulations, Dad, on, on uh, the retirement next week. Um, and, uh, and, and so lots of conversations take place this time of the year. And what also happens this time of the year is we get a lot of calls from adult children who are a little concerned about... Um, their uh, their aging parents and their aging parents' lack of plan, understanding that if my parents don't plan um, and something happens to them, this isn't their headache necessarily. This is probably my headache, and, and I would really like 
to uh, to get my parents uh, some education. Uh, and and so this coming week we have the New Year's uh, workshop coming up. We we typically fill the workshops pretty well in January because people are looking for education this time of the year. One, it's Pittsburgh, and people are looking for things to do in the winter. Uh, and so what we have is we have our upcoming workshops this week, next week. You can register for them at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com, uh, where you can register for the free workshop. During the workshop, we talk about things like wills and trusts, uh, revocable trust versus irrevocable trust, why why some people choose one other than the other, and how you can know which is, is the proper uh, estate plan for you. Um, and then we explain our ongoing services. You know, one of the things that we think um, is education first. Education, we like to provide it for free. Uh, but, you know, sometimes people will call us and say, I need a will. Well, yeah, you probably do, but there's some other things you ought to give some consideration to. Whether you decide to do them or not, we're going to do the education because I want you to make an informed decision. So uh, at my law firm, we offer these free workshops because I want you to have the information you need in order to make great decisions. Um, and then we also believe in giving you the best plan. Well, what does that mean? Um, at most law firms, you decide between documents. I want this will or I want this trust. And, and um, you know, the, the law firm essentially sells you a set of documents. And, and one of the sort of promises that we make you know, within a, a, um, a defined parameters, a, a lot of our clients, middle class families, upper middle class families, retirees or soon to be retirees, you know, there's a certain suite of documents, a certain set of documents you ought to give some consideration to. And what most law firms do is say, you should have this one or you should have that one. Uh, and then there's a price tag associated with it. And, and what that essentially is, <clears throat> is essentially a good, better, best offer. Hey, you know, and, and what they're really saying is, if you love your kids this much, you can spend this much money. If you love your kids a little bit more and want to do a better plan, then you should spend this much money. And if you really want to do a good plan for your family, then you're going to spend this big number. Um, good, better, best offer. The way I look at this stuff is who wants a good plan when you can have the best plan, right? And, uh, and so at my law firm, we're committed to not selling documents. If you want to work with my law firm, yeah, whatever documents you want, um, we're going we're gonna to provide you with the education so that you can, you can just forget about selecting a document and, and really get to the important stuff on how do we use these tools. Let's assume I need a hammer and a wrench in my toolbox. Why, would I have to, why should I decide between a hammer or a wrench, right? So let's just do the hammer and the wrench and talk about using the tools correctly. So that's kind of how we work. And then we have an ongoing membership program I had mentioned earlier called our Red Wagon Club to make sure that your plan not only works today, it works tomorrow. Laws change, your goals change, situations change, facts change. Uh, your state plan needs to change too. And so we have an ongoing membership model where uh, we keep you updated. So that's a little bit about the firm. Now, what I want to do with this week's episode is give you that uh, that end of year or New Year's checklist that uh, if you do have this as a New Year's uh, resolution or if you are you know, sort of thinking about your parents and their estate plan and how, you know, do they have the right tool? How is this going to impact? Uh, here's just a bit of education. Now, before I get into this, I want you to know that this is for education information. I said we like to do education. This is not advice. I can't give you legal advice over the radio. This is for your information, your education. If you need uh, legal advice, you know, we're available anytime. Go to secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. Come to one of our workshops or give us a buzz, 724-841-1393, 724-841-1393. Now, a couple of things, checklists, a couple of points. One is you want to review any existing documents. And so I want to give you things just to be on the lookout for and make you aware of them. 
Um, a lot of estate plans include a will, a power of attorney, and then an advanced directive. Some lawyers call this the big three documents, will, power of attorney, health care directive. So let's go through um, power of attorney document first. So what is it? Um, a power of attorney document is a document that names someone else called my agent to make legal and financial decisions in the event that I can't. Um, now, the way most attorneys do this is we do a thing called a durable power of attorney, which is effective when you sign it and remains in effect later if you lose capacity. Uh, it's common in like common parlance to say my son is my power of attorney. Uh, that's not really the way it goes. What it really is is my son is in a position called my agent under a document called a power of attorney. But uh, let's get away from the legal boring stuff and let's let's really focus on how to make this thing effective. So there was a change of law about uh, three to five years ago where they changed the, the cover page on the thing and, and um, and there's this other thing going, if you've got an older document, there's a couple of reasons why we might take a look at it. One, the laws changed in 2015 regarding the documents. If it's older than that, you probably need to take a look at it. Also, um, what I've seen is documents that are more than about three years old, banks are starting to ask uh, for what's called uh, um, an affirmation that it's still the, the appropriate document. Okay, so here's how this works. Let's say I, I wrote somebody's estate plan in 2017. So it's been six years, seven years since we did the estate plan. Uh, family comes in, and um, <clears throat> now the person is is not well. Maybe they've had a stroke. Maybe they got dementia. Now it's it's the agent. It's the adult child coming in with the power of attorney document. They try to use it to the bank, and the bank asks that the document be verified. So what is this all about? Well. A couple of years back, the state legislature created this this allowance, this provision that allowed banks and financial institutions to ask that the document be verified because there was a court case that came down where um, a bank had listened to somebody that purported to be an agent under the power of attorney document. The person was not. Maybe it had been revoked or whatever. I don't remember. But they had a document. They purported to be the agent. They made a bunch of decisions. The bank followed their decision. And then the the guy found out, oh, my! this person said that they were my agent. They moved all my money around and sued the bank. Um, and so then the banks didn't want to look at any power of attorney documents, but we have to have these documents. And so um, in an effort to sort of protect the banks from, from this type of lawsuit, um, they, have, they have the permission now to ask that the document be verified. But let's talk about what that really looks like. What that really looks like is now – Family's back in my office, right? I haven't seen a client in a couple years, and the kids want me to verify that it's the effective document. Well, can I? I haven't seen the guy in five years, right? Um, all I can say is that to the best of my knowledge, I didn't change the document. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, this is the valid document, but I, I can't say that they didn't go to an all, another law firm up the street. Um, and... Um, and so, you know, the banks typically accept that, but I'm not going to verify that it is exactly the right document. All I can verify is that, to the best of my knowledge, it is. And this is kind of a bit of a headache. And then my affidavit needs to go to the bank in their legal department for review, and then they probably accept it or whatever. But you can avoid all of this time. It takes a couple of weeks and, and all the headache. Um, we like to update our clients' documents every three years. On this power of attorney document, what I've noticed is that after three years, the banks are starting to ask for this verification process, and so let's keep them updated. So there's a tip on the power of attorney. Here's another tip on the power of attorney document. If you have a power of attorney document uh, and uh, you are concerned 
about the costs associated with long-term care. I talk about this all the time. You know, in my office, we have uh, we we do a type of case where if somebody's in a nursing home and they're trying to protect assets because of the crazy government rule book that requires you to go broke, we do work to help people protect assets from those rules. But it often involves moving the money out of the sick person's name. Okay. We got to move the, the the money, maybe to the healthy spouse's name, or to a disabled child, or or to someone. There are situations where we're allowed to move the money, but gifting money needs to be expressly authorized in the power of attorney document. Um, and so here's the thing: you could just dust off your old power of attorney document and and take a look at it. Um, gifting occurs a couple of different ways. So the way a power of attorney document sets up is there's a notice page on the front. Um, and then it, the inside the actual document will say, my name's Tim. I'm letting my son be my decision maker. He's called my agent. Here's all the things he can do. Um, and one of the things that he can do, probably one of those paragraphs involves gifting. You're probably f- going to find a gifting paragraph. If you don't, you probably need to consider updating the document with an attorney. Um, okay, now we got a gifting paragraph. But the gifting paragraph typically looks like one of two scenarios. One is It'll be vague. My agent can give gifts. My agent could give limited gifts. Um, if it's vague, or sometimes it'll even reference like an IRS code section, that typically means uh, annual gifting within the federal tax limits, which is uh, moving in on um, 17 last year, $19,000. Okay, so we can move, we can move, let's just call it 20. We can move $20,000. Well, that doesn't help us very much if if dad's in the nursing home and I can protect the house by gifting the house to somebody I'm able to gift it to. But but the house is worth $250,000, and here I am with a power of attorney document that only authorizes limited gifting or, or $20,000. I can't move the house. We don't have the legal authority to move the house, and now now maybe we're in guardianship and, and we've got we've got a bigger headache on our hands. And so I'm a big fan of my seniors, my retired clients, retiree clients. <clears throat> um, a lot of them want, after some education, a lot of them want unlimited gifting language. Uh, my agent can give away my stuff, but the way that we do it is we put some limitations on there for the purposes of qualifying for nursing home Medicaid, as long as they keep it consistent with my dis- uh, distribution provisions. You know, if the will says equal shares to the kids, the gifting if we need to move money for nursing home purposes, it had better not all be to one kid, right? Uh, if the will said equal shares to the kids, the power of attorney must uh, better comply, right? Um, so there's just a couple of tips. If you don't if you don't see gifting or if you don't see unlimited gifting, you probably want to go see a lawyer and learn more about this document. And maybe it's time to get the thing updated um, and have one that actually has the legal muscle you need in the event that you get sick. You know, some of these documents allow your agent to keep the lights on and pay the bills, but they don't allow you to protect money. I, I, I suggest to you that maybe you want the one that allows uh, your family to protect your savings. Um, healthcare directive is another document that you should take a look at. Uh, this is a, typically done as, as a two-part document. One is I name a healthcare agent to make my decisions. The other is um, here's a living will component in the event I have an end-stage medical condition or an irreversible coma. Here's all the things. I don't want chemotherapy. I do want that. I don't want that other treatment. Um, I think the most important paragraph on, uh, on this is shall versus may. My agent shall follow these instructions, or my agent may use these instructions as guidance and can override my desires. Okay, shall versus may. So the argument in favor of shall 
is, look, I'm making these decisions. These are my end-of-life decisions. I, I don't want to put this burden on my kid. I'll make my own decisions. My kid is just going to communicate those decisions to the doctor. Great. Okay, that's reasonable and rational. The other argument in favor of May is, yeah, okay, I get that. You want it in black and white. But this stuff really isn't black and white. End of life is not often black and white. There's a lot of gray, right? Um, and and we've got some tougher decisions to make. And if, if my kid is making the decision as my agent, then that means I can't either communicate my desires or understand the situation. So, so by definition, sort of, my kid is going to have information, more information than than I do now about what's really going on. And perhaps we want some more flexibility for things like second opinions, for things like some more time. Um, and so I have become a bigger fan of may versus shall. But again, they're your documents. I'm just giving you a couple things to look for. Uh, with regard to your will, um, a couple things to look for is, is the executor name still the right person? Or are they even still alive? You know, some of these documents we review for our retirees that were written when the kids were little, named their parent, who would be 117 right now. Um, and so that's probably not the right person to have named as an executor. So are the people still the right people? Are the people who are inheriting still the right people? Um, and then does it accomplish your goals? You know, one of the things that we like to put into our wills that, that a, lot of, uh, a lot of the time or not, we always have disability planning. So if, if I leave money to my kids and then my kid dies before me, and now it's going to my grandkid, what's going to be the situation until that grandkid turns 25 or 30 years old? What happens if that kid is disabled? If, if I, in the future, have a grandchild, maybe that grandchild has a disability. Disabled people tend to ask the government for help, Medicaid benefits, SSI benefits. Those benefits are needs-based, meaning they look at your money, and we can't leave. In a lot of situations, you don't want to leave disabled people a bunch of money because they're going to lose their free health care, right? So we, we can build in planning for disabled people into a will. And you can also uh, put a, a pretty neat provision into a will that I like to do that would protect my daughter's inheritance from her potential future divorce or lawsuit. We call it a, a beneficiary controlled trust or separate share trust. Lawyers use different terms to describe this, but but the idea is I got a little girl. Um, if you're a parent of a little girl, you know that there will never be a boy good enough for your little girl. So let's fast forward 20 years. My little girl is married, and she married somebody who, yeah, he's all right, but, you know, nobody's good enough for my girl. And then she receives an inheritance, and then five years later, after they've commingled a bunch of funds, my daughter goes through a divorce. Uh, what happened with the money I left her? Is that bozo going to get the money? Um, not in my family. You know, so, so this is a thing that I've planned for. You can plan for that in a will. So if you don't see language about asset protection or, or trust-based distributions, maybe a reason to look at the thing again. Um, okay, so there's a couple documents and things to look for. A couple other tips. Uh, if we're going to do the New Year's resolution of getting your affairs in order, um, one is build an asset list. You don't have to share it today, but make it findable. And here's what I mean. Here's where most kids find out that they're the executor. Most kids find out they're executor at dad's funeral, right? Um, and they don't have a copy of the will, but they know it's in the house. So then they leave the funeral. They go break into dad's house, which, by the way, is still a felony. So now you're in dad's house, and you're rifling through filing cabinets trying to figure out the big question. The big question is, what did dad own, right? Does he have money? Did he have investments? Did he have IRA? Did he have life insurance? So we're watching a mail for a couple of weeks. We're rifling through filing cabinets. And then you know where all that paper goes, right? 
that paper goes into the only vehicle we can find at dad's house uh, to, to bring it to the lawyer's office, and, and that's a blue giant eagle bag. Right, so, so all these forms, all this paperwork goes into the blue giant eagle bag, and we see it across our parking lot coming into the office. We call it a, uh, here in the office, we call it a BOS, uh, a, bag of, um, a bag of statements. Right? And you're looking at this thing, and, and you, you got to have a sense of humor doing what we do, right? So, so here comes the bag of statements, and this is everything the kid found at Dad's house when they ransacked it. And in there is a life insurance statement from 1997, and the kid asks me, if dad had life insurance. Well, I don't know. I know he did in 1997 because that's all we got in front of us. So let's get on hold for six or seven hours with the insurance company to figure out if dad still has life insurance, if they'll even talk to us. Uh, and so you can save, man, you can save your family hours and hours, dozens of hours of work by simply keeping a list of what you've got. Um, keep it with your will, keep it with your estate plan. Um, I think that this is this is a major, major time saver for your children, and really a pretty simple thing for you to do. So get the asset list together. Uh, another tip, if you're looking to get in your affairs in order, is review your beneficiary designations. We all have assets that are beneficiary designated, life insurance, retirement accounts. It's worth pulling those things out every few years and just making sure it's done correctly. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, people haven't checked the 401k beneficiary designations for 20 years, and the kids are grown up now, and we need to make some changes. So check those beneficiary designations. Uh, along lines of, uh, of that, you should probably schedule annual review meeting with any financial advisors or accountants you have. Make sure that, you know, the market still makes sense for how you're positioned. Um, Take a look at the thing and, and determine if um, – take a look at your the combination of your beneficiary designations and your legal documents because that's really the estate plan, right? If we're really talking about how assets transfer, it's not just the will or the trust. We also have to consider the beneficiary designations on any financial accounts that you have because that's another way that people inherit money, right? Um, and so, so there's really there's really four ways people inherit money. One is you can get assets. You could uh, inherit money because of, of rights of, jo of survivorship through joint owner, right? So if if my dad and I own a house together, joints with rights of survivorship, and he passes, I get the house, right? Now there's other types of joint ownership that doesn't always happen, but that's one way you can receive an inheritance. Second way you can receive an inheritance is through a beneficiary designation. Right? You have a financial account. I name my kid as a beneficiary. That doesn't matter what the will says. They're, the financial company is going to pay based upon the beneficiary designation. Third way you can receive an inheritance is through a will, through the estate. Fourth way you can receive an inheritance is through a trust. Right? But those four ways you can receive an inheritance in a proper estate plan, they're coordinated. They, they make sense as, as an operating system of documents, um, not just one will that says something different than what the beneficiary designations say. That's not a plan. That's a document, right? So this is effective estate plan. So making sure that the beneficiary designations are in line and make sense with a read of the legal documents. Um, and if your goals have changed or any of this is out of line, then it is time to schedule with an attorney. Another thing is, um, and a big pet peeve of mine is, estate planning is greater than death planning. Right? Estate planning, when done properly, doesn't just answer the question, who gets my stuff when I pass away? An estate plan, when properly drafted, also answers the question, how do I make sure there actually is some stuff for them to inherit? What happens if I get sick and need care? What ha how are we going to pay for that? Is there any government benefits we can get? 
Um, how do we not go broke due to long-term care expenses? What's the tax dynamic? My tax dynamic, my kids' tax dynamic. What, uh, what can we do to save some money here? How can we maximize it? How can I protect my little girl from her potential future divorces? You know, those are the interesting questions. Most estate plan, if you got kids, it's equal shares to the kids. I got it, right? But, but the question is, or an important consideration is, what happens if everything is not Pollyanna? What happens if everything is not perfect? My, uh, somebody is disabled. Somebody is underage. Somebody did die before me. Somebody is going through a divorce. I do end up in a nursing home. Planning for those issues, now that's an effective estate plan. Um, and if all you got is a will and a power of attorney on your desk, r- you haven't planned for those things. Um, and if, if any of this has, has sort of struck a chord with you, if you, maybe you didn't have this as your New Year's resolution, but you do now, uh, we'd be happy to meet with you. We like to do the education piece for free first. That's why we in- always invite you to our workshops. We've got a workshop coming up this week. Um, and next week, uh, and you can register for them by going to secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com. The name of the workshop is The Three Secrets to Estate Planning and Asset Protection. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to teach you wills versus trust, revocable trust versus irrevocable trust, even if you decide not to hire my law firm, which obviously I hope you do. But even if you decide not to hire my law firm, it's good information. We're going to teach you some great stuff that you can learn and you can use. Um, and uh, what I really want, my mission on this planet, is to make sure that people do better planning and not squander a lifetime of savings. Um, and so those are really the things I wanted to get to you in uh, today's workshop um, or in today's radio show, today's workshop. Listen, old habits. Um, but I hope to see you at one of the workshops. So check us out at secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com, or give us a call, 724 841 1393. Remember, the things you learned in this episode are not legal advice. This is general information and education. If you'd like some legal advice, we'd love to help you. Check us out at secklerlawfirm.com. Otherwise, I hope you have a wonderful uh, week. Happy New Year to you. Uh, and let's get uh, 2024 uh, started off with, uh, with making some progress here. So thanks for listening. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.